With that being said, last I preached, so this is part two of what I preached in 2017. So if you were not there, please access the blackboard. There's prerequisite material. Okay. In, tw in 2017, I preached on a message titled, Walking with God. And it was based on the book of Matthew, it was based on the scriptures in Matthew chapter 16, and somewhere around 16 and 15, where Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? The disciples said, men say you are the prophet, you are Elijah. They say all sorts of things. And Jesus changed the question and he said, who do you say that I am? And at that moment, we spoke about the revelation of Christ to an individual at a personal level. We spoke about personal conviction in who Jesus Christ is. Because Peter answered and said, you you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon by Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the spirit of God has revealed this to you. Amen. If we remember clearly, we said, the revelation of Christ comes through the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can be told about Christ, but you need the Holy Spirit to reveal who Christ is to you on a personal level. Yes. It means being able to believe Christ even when things don't seem to be moving as you expected them to. Oh, yeah. It means still saying, God, you're my provider, even when there's no food on your table. Yeah. It means even when everything seems like it's all being lost and everything is breaking down, you still believe in God and you still praise Him. Yes. That yes. is the revelation of Christ. Yes. The message of God is not that all is well. The new message of us, the Pentecostals, the new message is not that all is well. You shall walk everywhere and things happen as you want them to happen. Sometimes they don't, isn't it? Even after you pray. But the message of God is that whatever happens, God has the best interest, your best interest at heart. So, and everything that happens, happens for a reason. With that being said, after speaking about walking with God, I would like us to take a step further today and encountering the presence of God. Hallelujah. And that is what we're going to speak about today. I, I do not, I'm not going to spend so much time. It's something brief. I tried to prepare notes throughout the week until yesterday in the evening at, or this morning at 2 a.m., I did not have perfect notes. So, whatever the Holy Spirit wants me to say, I will say. Whichever direction it might be, it might not synthesize into one, but pick one thing or two from whatever I was saying. So, shall we turn our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 5, 25 to 34. This is a common story we've heard time and again. And most time we refer to it, we speak of the woman with the issue of blood. We have heard this story because it has been written in more books than one. It has been written in different versions, in a summarized version, in a slightly detailed version, and it has been given to us and we've heard it and we've learned from it over the years. The presence of God in the Old Testament, starting from the Old Testament before Jesus, was mostly in the holies of holies. It was found in the most holy place of the temple. 
Jesus came, he was a representation of the presence of God. He was the manifestation of the presence of God. Jesus was crucified and he went back and he sent us the Holy Spirit, which is also the presence of God. We then became the temple of the Most High. Hallelujah. Then there was the Most Holy of Holies, and Moses would even go to meet God up a mountain. But now we are carriers of the presence of God. With that being said, I would like us to look at the story of this woman with the issue of blood. It says, and there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt it. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that the power had that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? The disciples answered. You can see the people crowding against you. His disciples, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the reading of the word of God. Amen. This lady had suffered for 12 years. If I put it in, terms, in, in context, it's a decade, or simply someone has, has started school and even completed. You start from primary school, I don't know what you call it here, but you have completed your secondary education, and if you are very smart, you might even be in the second year of your university. So it is a long time. This woman spent all her resources trying to get better, but it kept getting worse until she ran out of all the resources that she had, but she heard of Jesus coming. When she heard of Jesus, she told herself that if only I could touch his cloak, if only I could touch his clothes, I will be men whole. Something caught my eye. People were walking with Jesus here. The disciples said, there were many people around you. How can you ask who touched your clothes? People were walking with Jesus. Jesus had already performed miracles at this point. So people knew who he was. And people had seen the testimonies that had come from Jesus performing the good works. So they knew what he was capable of. This woman made up her mind to say, if only I can touch his clothes. She did not say, if only he should lay his hand on me. She said, if only I can touch his clothes. The people that were walking with Jesus, I believe probably some of them needed help or some of them needed something from him. Not only did they need the word, but some of them, one of them could have at least had a need. The need could have been Maybe, I don't know what they needed there. Maybe they needed new perfume. Maybe they needed new jars of oil. 
Maybe they need a new sandals. I do not know. Now I would know maybe you'd need a Tesla. Maybe you need an iPad. Whatever it was. When these people were with Jesus, they walked with him, they rubbed against him, but none of them got what they needed at that moment. Except the woman with the issue of blood. The woman with the issue of blood just came in the crowd and got the hem of Jesus' cloth and walked away and she was made whole. Something profound is in that portion. If anyone needed riches or if anyone needed healing or if anyone needed anything at that moment, when they were bumping into Jesus, if they had personal conviction, they would have got what they wanted. But they didn't realize that. They walked with God, but they did not have an encounter with the Christ. You can be seated in church, listening to the same word, reading the same Bible, but you're not getting the revelation and you're not having the encounter with God. That does not mean you haven't heard the word of God. Am I driving this home? The, people, the disciples did not understand what this woman had when she went to meet Jesus. They didn't even realize she was there. Sometimes situations of life can beat your hands down that the only solution you can have is to look up to Jesus. Because sometimes people can promise you solution. People will tell you, come, I will sort out your problem. And you go there and they say, sorry, my, my transaction did not come through. And you're about to be kicked out of your house. Yeah? The only solution you have is to look up to Jesus. And if you faithfully and strongly lean on him and lean on his understanding and not yours, you will realize that results start to come. It might not happen in a short while. The problem is that sometimes we want microwave blessing. Or we want microwave happiness. And this is what it is. You want to pray to say, God, as I graduate, I want that job. Oh God, as my daughter, my son graduates, I want him to have a nice, comfortable life. You are a believer. You are a Bible-believing believer. And you pray and you're faithful. You are not sinning. You are, you are straight with God. And yet you graduate and there's no job. You wait for one year and there's no solution coming into place. Does that mean your faith is at fault? Does that mean are you losing it somewhere? No. If we go to 1 Kings, I think 1 Kings, is it chapter 18, where God told Elijah to show himself to the king after the, during the drought, God had instructed Elijah to go. He went and showed himself, and when Elijah started to pray for rain, rain did not come immediately. Did you get that? Yes. Rain didn't come immediately. But do you realize that Elijah heard from God directly? This was, this was not hearsay. This was not a prophecy that people can prophesy and say, you, you will do this, you will be this, you will be that. This was God speaking to a man, to his prophet, and he said, show yourself. And everything, that, the drought is over, the famine is over. Go and show yourself. And Elijah shows himself, and he's praying, the first prayer, asks the servant to check, there is no sign of a cloud. Second prayer, there is no sign of a cloud. Third prayer, there's no, third time, there's no sign of a, of a, of a cloud. Mm-hmm. What do you expect to go through a mind of a man? Mm-hmm. Hmm? Say, hey, God, you've released me to come and die now. <laughs> I should have remained in hiding. 
when you understand that you've had an encounter with God, even if the cloud is not showing up after the third prayer, you know that at the seventh time it's coming. That is what it means when you have an encounter with God on a personal level. Now, talking about this woman, one lesson we learn from her is that first things first, when you have an encounter with God or the presence of God, you must have your personal conviction and you must make it a point to have faith in what you're doing. Jesus said, your faith has healed you. He did not say, being here has healed you. He said, your faith has healed you. So it means God has given us everything, but we also have a role to play in that everything that is given us. So for me to access that healing, I must take a first step of believing God. It means I must, have, I must first have the faith of a mustard seed. I must first be convinced myself. Before I can then say, God, do this for me, I must be convinced within me. And that convincing within you must come from knowing who God really is for yourself. Because you might hear preachers telling you so many things. You might hear the word of God being preached to you. But if you do not know who God is, when the storms come or when circumstances of life come, you will give up. I was listening to a preacher recently. He said, we have so many people in the church that are killing themselves and losing it along the way. And he said, one of the reasons people are, are killing themselves is because they have believed or they have heard these messages of people telling them to say, you will be successful in this, you will be that, you will be that. Specific prophecies, told all sorts of things. Bear in mind, prophecies are real, but there are also some that are not real, isn't it? Yes. Because that is according to the word of God. So he said, sometimes churches nowadays, we are preaching much more of what you can get from God than we are preaching what it is to be with God. And so sometimes when people do not see, when they do not have enough patience to see what God is doing in their lives, they become so short-sighted, they want to give up quickly. So as a Bible-believing church, the first thing we must do, and as a Bible-believing generation, the first thing we must do is know God for who He is. Not that you're looking for anything, but knowing Him for who He is. Someone once said, if there's no hell, would you still be in church? If there was no hell, would you still be in church? If today you are told you can do whatever you like, and the ending is all the same, what would you do? Do you then continue walking with God or do you then say, I can do whatever I want now? That is what it means to walk with God. It simply means whatever circumstance is showing up in your doorstep, whatever situation you are in, it doesn't move you. But that does not mean we have supermen. There is this perception we always have. What do they call it? Is it Clark, Clark Kent is still... Even Superman still has to be Clark Kent. Yeah. So what they're simply saying is that you can, you, you can be a strong man, but sometimes you have moments of weaknesses. What you do in your moments of weaknesses determines who you really are. And most times in... Today I'm preaching to believers. I'm sorry. This is the talk we are having. Most times people do not expect a believer or a child of God to have a low moment. Mm -hmm. 
And this is the reality because we don't want to talk about it. Who do you think the pastor goes to after we all pour out our problems? Food for thought. Do we realize that most times we have issues in our lives? The pastor is always there to solve them, more or less solve them. He's always going to look around to try and help us find solution, isn't it? You will cry to him, my marriage is, is crumbling. Pastor, my job is, is going down. Pastor, my daughter is losing her mind. My family, pastor. Quick question. Who is pastor going to? Do you know what sustains and keeps the level-headed mind of a man of God? It is the presence of God. Even when he's crying in his bed, he will still come back and listen to our problems. He will still come back and pray for us. He might not have food on his table and you tell him to say, Pastor, I haven't eaten the last meal and he hasn't eaten for a day. And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I haven't eaten my last meal. And because he's called to do that and because he understands the work with God, he will stand with you and pray. Meanwhile, he has also his issues. So number one thing, another thing I'd like to say is we need to pray for our men of God. We need to pray for our pastors. Because there is no superman in this world. And we are just men that are used by God and who lean on him. The only difference is that we all keep building ourselves every day. We keep moving, we keep being molded, we keep on being encouraged to become almost close as supermen. And so sometimes people feel they can't get to know this Jesus Christ because all of you seem to have it all figured out. If someone came to church, what is the perception they get? Do they get the real perception of what life is out there or do they get a picture-perfect Facebook filtered Instagram picture that makes us feel like we are everything perfect. A quick question, when you became Christian, how many things did you struggle with that you're no longer struggling with now? Have you ever been able to encourage a person to say, look, it is no more that you struggle with this. We start crawling before we start walking. Before you become a strong man, you struggle a little bit. I was weak in this area. I failed so many times, but I did not give up to be where I am. With that being said, it simply means as a child of God, number one thing you need to do is do not judge. But be there to encourage. Be there to give hope. Be there to give love. Sometimes... There's a very thin line between being there to give hope and almost being entangled and losing your way. What I'm simply saying is, if a person is struggling, you should always be there to stand with them. But that does not mean you should be the one to follow them. Because you need to understand that it is much easier to fall for the negative than it is for the positive. If, for instance, your weakness was, let's say, stealing, and you know you do not have money and the person says, another thief tells you to say, as you are trying to convert me, let's go to a shop. We both don't have money. What do you think will happen? Things start looking interesting. Slowly, slowly you tell yourself, maybe I could just touch it and see if it fits in my pocket. And then I'll put it back. So as we walk with God, 
we need to make sure that we make an impact out there. And the impact should be on a personal level. The impact should be realistic. The impact should not be something that presents a picture perfect, but the, the impact is that we present a perfect Jesus. Because that's what it is. As men, we are incomplete. As men, we are not perfect. But because of Jesus, we are perfect in Jesus Christ. And that is the message of the cross. Sorry, I've diverted from the message. So, number one, you need to be convinced, you need to be convicted within yourself that God, in, when you are in God's presence, everything becomes well. It might not be immediately, but you keep believing that things are going to be well. And you keep working towards making things becoming well. So this woman of the issue of blood was convinced and was convicted within herself that in her encounter with Christ, all will be well. Number two, you need to be real with yourself. Truthful to yourself first. Shall we turn our Bibles to the book of John 4, verse 16 to 18. In that scripture, you find a woman at the well. She had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus asked her a question. She says, where is your husband? She said, go and call your husband. This woman, of course, had someone home. She had a layman's language. She had a husband, isn't it? If you follow technicalities, she had a husband, isn't it? But the woman was truthful with, with herself enough to say, look, in fact, I've had five husbands before. That simply means this one is not my own. We might live like we are, but it is not true. So the first thing as a child of God, when you start to encounter or when you have an encounter with the presence of God, you need to be straight and honest with yourself. The great battles of life are fought within oneself. If you can tell yourself where your weakness is or where you need God to touch you at that moment, it prepares you to become a conqueror. So, when this woman was being honest with herself, she didn't have a problem being honest with God. So, when you come to God, be honest and straight with Him. Because He's all-knowing anyway, so there's nothing you can hide. Just tell Him, say, God, hey, I saw that nice bottle on that table the other day. And my hands were looking at it, and I really wanted to touch it. I do not know, maybe next week I might touch it. Help me so that I don't touch it. That is what it means being real and straight with God. Amen. It means you have to be comfortable with telling God what your weakness is. Yes. Because sometimes we get too comfortable, we become too complacent. We can speak in tongues, we can pray, we can go to church every day, we can serve. What more does it what more do we need? It becomes routine. But a Christian should never be too comfortable. I, I always tell myself this, that every day I'm a new believer. Because the day I'll start to feel like I've known, that is the day you, we lose it. Because when we start to think we've, got, we've gotten to know who God is completely, then it stops. He sees as being God. So every day you get to know God honestly, on a personal level for your own self, and being true to yourself. Amen. Being honest when you're in the presence of God. Oh, yes. There are things you might not tell your neighbor or you might not tell your pastor, mm -hmm. but you can tell them to God. Yes. Yes. Then later on, you can, say, you can tell them to men when you decide that now it's the time for me to testify. Mm -hmm. 
Second thing we see with this woman, after Jesus asked, who touched me? This woman came out and she testified. How many things has God done for you that you do not want to testify? We ask ourselves, we come to church every day and we listen to uh, the moderator asking, anyone with a testimony? And how many times do we want to testify or do we believe that it was a coincidence or it's a circle of life or you did it on your own? No, it is because God has done it for you. And so it is important for us to testify our of our encounters with God. This woman had an encounter with God and she stood up and testified what the encounter was all about. She told the people to say, look here, it is me who touched you and I was sick, but you have made me whole. That is what it means to have an encounter with God. Number three, we hear of a woman in John 8, verse 1 to 11, we hear of a woman that was caught in adultery. The woman was as guilty as it can be. She was caught red-handed. That's as guilty as you can be. And as guilty as you can be, you can still be very honest when you get to God. Yes. Because he's a God of a second chance. Yes. And God makes everything whole. He meets us where we are, in our point of need. Look, sometimes we try too hard to try and get to a level of perfection on our own. It's only human. Let's take, for instance, you like stealing. You tell yourself, well, I, I'd like to say stealing because normally people would think of other sins. Let's say adultery or fornication. Those are the common sins we like, isn't it? To mention and to point out. Stealing. Well, let's say you like lying. That's another sin. Let's say you like stealing. Yeah. Don't make me lose my thought process. <laughs> okay, so let's let's imagine you like stealing. You've stolen once, you've come to church that prayed for you, they said you are whole, you're born again. You've started your walk with Christ. Somehow along your way, you find yourself again stealing. <laughs> not that you planned it, not that you hoped for it, it just happened. <laughs> what do you do? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ met this woman, and this woman had been sinning, red-handed, and according to the law, the law was explicit on what should have happened to her. But Jesus meets her and gives her a second chance. It is possible for a person to be whole regardless of how many times you've been sinning. Regardless of how many times you've fallen, it is possible for a man to come to God and God is going to make you whole. We don't make ourselves whole by our own effort, but it is God who makes us whole. You can try so hard to tell yourself that I will, not, I will not wear trousers with pockets so that I don't steal. You will realize that somehow, somehow, even your wrist can fit. So the message there is that when you have an encounter with God, allow him to make you whole. Jesus did not tolerate the sin, but he tolerated the person and told the person to go and never sin, sin again. What that simply means is that when you have an encounter with God, it is a moment to start afresh. Yes. It is a moment to have your head straight and be able to say, Lord, I need a new, a fresh start. 
Most times we look for the bigger sins, but we forget about the smaller sins such as being rude to your neighbor. Or being just in your mind, you just become judgmental when your co when your workmate says something and in your head you are saying, ah, this person also more. It's all about sitting in the train and you see someone needing help and you pretend like you haven't seen them. So having an encounter with God means you have to be whole. Every, you, make your, you, you ask him to make you whole every time. Because sometimes we might not be as perfect as we think we are. So we need him to say, Lord, help me in my strength, in my weaknesses. As I start this day, may I start it with you? Amen. And the Lord's Prayer tells us that you also ask for forgiveness in the things that you are not aware of. Because sometimes we wrong others without realizing and so I might not manage to meet everyone and say sorry if I crossed your, or if I step on your foot, but I can at least be honest with God and say, make me whole wherever I am. I've missed it. Yeah. And that's what it means to be a child of God. And that's what it means to have an encounter with God. So in the Old Testament, we had the presence of God in the most holy of holies, but now you are a carrier of the presence of God. And because you're a carrier of the presence of God, three things I just want you to take away today. Number one, you must believe and be convicted within yourself. It starts with you. Number two, your faith has a role to play. In whatsoever you do, your faith has a role to play. And number three, you also need to understand that it is okay to be honest with God regardless of circumstance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is the, the perfect start for a new moment is to be honest with yourself and honest with God. Mm -hmm. It starts by accepting your weaknesses. It starts by acknowledging your strengths, saying, God, I am strong in reading scripture. Allow me to reach out to another person. The message is not that we should look at our negatives. We look at also our strengths. We say, Lord, I'm weak in this, help me. Lord, I'm strong in this, I'm somewhat strong in this, help me to help another person who's struggling with oh, yes. this. That is what it means to have an encounter with God. Number three, God makes you whole when you have an encounter with him. This is based on the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. God made her whole by telling her, you can go away and sin no more. It simply meant whatsoever was making her broken in her life, it was an opportunity to start afresh and to start with God and to finish powerfully and wonderfully in the end. With that being said, I would like us to take a moment of reflection. This was not a sermon. This was a chat. This was a discussion. This was a reminder. That in our walk with God, we should yearn for an encounter with the Lord every day of our lives. And that encounter with the Lord every day of our lives means we should carry the evidence of an encounter. You cannot continuously say you've had an encounter with God and you have nothing to show for it. Let people see the fruits of an encounter. Let people have confidence in you saying, I am encouraged by you. I am encouraging your weakness because you might be the closest they've ever been to a Bible. So, brethren, my message today was simply an encounter with the presence of God. 
An encounter with the presence of God requires you to be honest with yourself and honest to God. An encounter with God needs your faith. It needs your conviction and your belief. An encounter with God makes you whole. It means you can start afresh. It is never too late to start afresh regardless of how far you've gone in the wrong direction. I heard of a story of a man going to the north and he was halfway into the south. What does it do? Or what would you expect a man to do? Let's say you're going, you're supposed to go to Africa. I'm going to Zambia this week, so I'm excited. Let's say I'm going to Zambia. And somehow along the way, I find myself headed to Germany. Or the Eastern Europe countries. Do I then just tell myself to say, since I already made a trip and I'm halfway to Eastern Germany, I continue? Or do I say it's never too late to get back and start going the right direction? It's never too late. It only becomes too late when you don't have a chance to start afresh. And it means, what that simply means is that as you walk with God, as you have an encounter with God, it is never too late for a fresh start. It's always an opportunity. Every day you can wake up and say, today is the day I start again. Today is the day I start again and I mean it and I'll make it. And encourage another person to say, it is time to start again and make it. So my message was very simple. And I hope someone got blessed in this. I do not know the next time I will have an opportunity. Today I wasn't going to preach about fire on the mountain. I was preaching about an encounter with the presence of God. I hope you are blessed. In Jesus name.